Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to my Friday Five, my weekly update from the world of wellness here at Lizard Wellbeing. And as many of you who follow me on Instagram will know, this week has been an especially busy one for me on the personal front, as I have finally moved out of my farm at the weekend, packing up the last few bits and bobs into boxes, while still recording my Instagram and Facebook lives from empty rooms. All a bit of a challenge, but manageable, and all went well and pretty smoothly. Thank you very much for all your kind messages. Really appreciate it. Well, on Monday, I caught a flight to Italy with my youngest, navigating the rigmarole of passenger locator forms and COVID tests to return to my family home here in the heart of Umbria. All relatively straightforward, I have to say, and Heathrow very easy and smooth, despite some of the media warnings. So that's good. My overall experience was very positive. I am pleased to report. So on to wellbeing news, and there's been a lot of chat about the rise in longevity supplements, a new breed of functional nutrients aimed at preventing premature cell damage and retaining many of the more youthful nutrients we have in abundance in our younger years, but which decline as we age. One in particular has caught my attention, and this is NMN, or nicotinamide mononucleotide, a form of vitamin B3 or niacin, to give it its full name, NMN. Now, this is a natural compound already found in our bodies, but it dwindles with age, as with so many things such as hormone decline and the like. And topping up our natural supplies of NMN can help stimulate energy metabolism, which is why many take this to help with a sluggish metabolism and improve weight loss in later life, as it really does seem to offer a helpful boost here. Now, NMN also supports our DNA repair, something that's increasingly important as we grow older. And it's also been shown to support our sirtuin activity. Now, sirtuins are our longevity genes that work to help release energy, and they've been attracting a lot of interest in the nutritional and functional medicine world as potential helpers in the ongoing quest for longevity and life extension. 
I've been taking NMN daily since my Instagram live with the founder of Youth and Earth, Ed Van Hommelen, who founded his company specifically to focus on safe, natural food supplements that promote living well for longer. It's an impressive website, actually, and I've also been impressed by the range and breadth of specialist knowledge here. Go take a look. It's youthandearth.com. Now, with anything that impacts our DNA, is obviously going to come under close scrutiny for potential adverse effects. And there has been some reporting of NMN being possibly linked to encouraging cancerous tumor growth, with the theory being that if it stimulates good cell growth, then what about the bad cell growth? Well, I'm pleased to report that Ed considers this to be, quote, fake news, his words, and something that's been taken out of context and incorrectly reported. Hmm, sounds familiar. HRT and cancer risks, anyone? Well, in this case, the study in question was actually shown to inhibit cancer cells, so they grew more slowly. And the good news is that there's no evidence to suggest that NMN creates cancer. And in terms of time-tested safety, it's actually one of the earliest molecules found on the planet, which is why so many of the leading anti-aging doctors in the United States particularly are using and promoting NMN pretty widely now amongst their older patients in particular. So how does it work? Well, NMN creates NAD, which is found in every living cell. We all have NAD. We just produce less of it as we age. And it's used to repair DNA. It's used for energy metabolism and much, much more. It also fuels many processes that help fight disease. But of course, anyone who is being treated for any serious illness, including cancer, should be following the protocol set out by their doctor and discussing any personal concerns relating to their own medical history with their own medic. As for me, I am super impressed with the science behind NMN as a helpful food supplement to top up with as we age, so much so that it's actually one of the few supplements I have brought out to Italy with me, and that's always my acid test. What do I really love enough to find a place for in my limited luggage allowance? I'm finding that it's given me a lot more energy from the first day I took it, actually, and we will be reporting more in depth on NMN and how and why it works in future editions of my Lizard Wellbeing magazine. But if you're curious, in the meantime, there is lots of info on the youthandearth.com website. That's also where I buy my liposomal glutathione, by the way. Now, this supplement usually tastes really nasty, but their mango-flavored liposomal glutathione liquid is the best tasting one I have found, and as well as being highly efficacious because it uses the liposomal technology as a delivery system. And if you're interested, you can get a 20% affiliate discount on all things on their website there by using the code LizLoves, all in capitals, all one word. I'm sure you know the drill by now. A discount code even my 80-something-year-old father used recently as he restocked his own suppliers of NMN, having been impressed with the improvement in his energy level after I gave him a pack to try. Good to know. Now, as well as specific supplements to improve our energy levels, something else that is completely fundamental and free when it comes to greater energy is, of course, sleep. And while I'm away, I have been re-listening to some of my favorite podcasts with many of the great and the good from the world of well-being. And I really loved re-listening to the wise words of Professor Matthew Walker, the renowned sleep expert and author of the international bestseller, 
why we sleep. Well, here he is again to share some very timely advice about switching the brain off, something many of us perhaps could benefit from right now if you're planning some summer holes, including some important information for our immune system and some words that might be especially helpful if you are struggling to get a good night's sleep. How did you come to specialize in sleep as a neuroscientist? What was it about kind of switching the brain off that fascinated you? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I think all of the sleep researchers that I know were all accidental sleep researchers. Um, none of us really sort of made that trajectory um, determined in our minds to begin with. You know, it's it, unlike kids when you're five or six and people say, okay, what would you like to be when you grow up? And the hands shoot up <laughs> and you go around and I'd like to be a police officer, an astronaut, or, you know, yeah. chef, or no one says I'd love to be a sleep researcher. Um, <laughs> and um I was an accidental uh, sleep researcher too. When I was doing my PhD, I was trying to differentially diagnose people with different types of dementia. And I was looking at their brainwave patterns, their electrical brainwave activity. And I was getting no good results year after year. I was failing miserably. Um, and then I was reading a lot of literature. I'd go home to sort of the doctor's residence and I'd have this little, uh, in my room, this little igloo of, of, journal papers that at the weekend I would read, um, can see how wonderfully social I was as a, <laughs> as a student. Um, and I realized that these mm -hmm. dementias, some of them will eat away at the sleep generating regions of the brain, whereas others would leave those sleep generating regions untouched. And I thought, well, my goodness, I'm studying um, my patients at the wrong time. I'm measuring them while they're awake instead of when they're asleep. So I started to record brainwave activity when they were asleep. I got some great results, then started to realize no one, uh, that was 20 years ago, <laughs> no one uh, back then could actually uh, give you an answer to a fundamentally simple question. Why do we sleep? Yeah. And so I thought, well, yeah. that would be a great next question to address. And then I'll come back to the dementia question. And I didn't realize without any hubris or arrogance that some of the most brilliant scientific minds had tried to answer the question, why do we sleep for their entire careers and had failed. And I thought I was going to do it within just one or two years. Um, and what I realized is that hard questions care very little about who asks them. They will meter out their lessons of difficulty all the same. And I have been schooled in the difficulty of the question of why we sleep. That was 20 years ago, and I am still answering that question. But now, in truth, as we have to change that question. You know, we used to say, well, the reason that we sleep is to cure sleepiness. <laughs> and that tells you nothing about the no, exactly. benefits of sleep. You know, that's like saying, well, we eat to cure hunger. That tells you nothing about the nutritional benefits of food same way with sleep. But now, 20 years later, based on research of all of my colleagues, we've had to upend the question. Now we have to ask, is there any fundamental process of the brain or any physiological system in, the, in your body that doesn't wonderfully benefit from sleep when you get it mm. or become demonstrably impaired when you don't get enough? And the answer seems to be no. So really, in answering your question, why do we sleep? We sleep because every bit of our body requires it for whatever reason. That's right. And when you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, it has to be that way. Because sleep is the most idiotic of all inventions. 
Mm. You know, when you're asleep, firstly, you're not reproducing. You're not finding a mate. You're not caring for your young. You're not finding food. And worst of all, you're vulnerable to predation. Yeah. So on any one of those grounds, but especially as a collective, sleep should have been strongly selected against during the evolutionary process. Yeah, you would have thought that we'd actually sleep less now because we would have found other ways to, you know, give ourselves nutrition, right. rest or repair in, in other ways. Correct. In fact, yeah. We're just highlighting the importance of it. We actually probably need to be sleeping more, do we? Well, I think the idea would be that, you know, if sleep doesn't serve an absolutely vital function, then it's the biggest mistake the evolutionary process has ever made. <laughs> um, and what we're realizing now is that Mother Nature did not make a spectacular blunder in creating this thing called sleep. In fact, sleep is your life support system. It is probably Mother Nature's best effort yet at immortality. And from what we know, it acts like the Swiss army knife of health. Um, you know, whatever ailment you have in the brain or the body, sleep probably has a tool in its box that will. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Help. That is really quite extraordinary, isn't it? That it is so important and yet so overlooked. And, and I think it's interesting, mm. isn't it, during these times of the pandemic, that sleep, I think, is perhaps being prioritised a little bit more. We're, we're connected <laughs> with our immune system, with reducing stress levels, which are sort of stratospheric for so many of us. And yet, perversely, yeah. we're finding it perhaps harder to sleep because of worry and anxiety. Does, do, mm -hmm. do these worries and anxieties really lead to, to less sleep? And if so, why would that be? So, yeah, great questions. Let me just take the, the sleep and immune uh, question first. Um, it is on our minds ever more so now, immunity and, uh, and developing that. Um, there is a very intimate relationship between your sleep health and your immune health. So often when we get sick, all we want to do is curl up in bed and 
try to sleep ourselves well. And we now know the evidence underlying that. So firstly, what we know is that individuals who report getting less than seven hours of sleep a night are three times more likely to become infected by the rhinovirus, which is the common cold. We also know that women sleeping five hours or less a night are 70% more likely to develop pneumonia, which is a respiratory disorder, which is a key part of COVID. Um, We also know that sleep plays a critical role in the success of your immunization. So one study um, took a group of perfectly healthy individuals and they limited them to four hours of sleep a night for six nights. And then they gave them a flu shot. And they compared that to another group that had been getting a full eight hours of sleep a night. And what they found is that those people who essentially um, were short sleeping for just uh, the week before they get their flu shot they produce less than 50% of the normal antibody response to that flu shot, therefore rendering that immunization far less effective. So oh in other goodness. words, if you're- I, I, I hope you're talking, talking to governments right now about this. <laughs> well, you know, we've been, we've been trying to sort of lobby that uh, for, a, for a long time, but ultimately I think it's going to be that we will get a vaccine for COVID. I, I'm, I'm fairly sure of that. What we as sleep scientists then need to do is ask the question, is that same profile of sleep necessity um, for success of COVID immunization true as it is for your flu shot? And if it is, what do we do about that? Because then sleep is going to become a critical part of the COVID immunization equation. And we've got great technology now. You know, we've got people wearing things or you could track your sleep with a log and you know, your healthcare provider, the NHS could say, hey, look, based on your sleep last week, it doesn't seem to be quite there yet. I know you've got an appointment coming up. Let's push it until next week. Let's give you some tips for better sleep. And then here are three appointments next week. Which one do you want for your COVID immunization? And let's get your sleep straight first. We can do lots of intelligent things now. But those are just some of the ways that sleep is related to our immunity. And I, I hope impresses on people how critical that relationship is. And by the way, if you turn that around and you say, well, what happens when you do get sleep? Mm. What we know firstly is that sleep will actually restock all of the weaponry in your immune arsenal so that you wake up the next day a more robust immune individual. It produces immune factors. But secondly, and most recently, what we've discovered is that it's not just that you produce more of these sort of immune weapons, but your body becomes increasingly more sensitive to those immune signals. So the sort of the receptor sensitivity, as it were, to those immune factors increases when you've been getting good sleep. So on both sides of the immune equation, the production of it and your body's reception of those factors you are much better having slept. So that sleep and immunity, happy to dive into sleep, COVID and anxiety, but let me pause there and see if there's any further questions on immunity. Well, that is really fascinating. And one of the words that you said there that I want to come back to and pick you up on is good, good sleep. So mm. do you, how do you qualify good sleep and how can we tell? Is it just the number of hours that we have? What, what makes sleep good or less good? So sleep is not just about duration. Um, Duration is a big part of that equation, but it's necessary 
yet not sufficient. What you also need is not just good quantity of sleep, you need good quality of sleep. And let me try to define those two. Good quantity of sleep based on recommendations that we have right now, for example, the CDC here in America recommends that you need a minimum of seven hours of sleep duration a night. And our recommendation right now is somewhere between seven to nine hours. And there's definitely variability that Mm -hmm. some people can sort of get by on just seven hours. Others will need, you know, eight and three quarter hours. There's definitely variability there that I want to acknowledge that's important. But it's not just about duration. It's not just about quantity. What we've learned in the past five or so years in sleep research is that quality is as important. And here you can define quality in several different ways. The first way we define quality is how consistent is your sleep? How unbroken is your sleep? So in other words, are you waking up a lot during the night? Are you spending a lot of time awake throughout the night? Typically, that's not good quality of sleep. It needs to be more continuous, what we call consolidated sleep. Whereas if you have fragmented sleep, that's poor quality of sleep. The second version of good quality of sleep is about the electrical depth of that sleep. So when we measure those electrical brainwaves during sleep, um, there are lots of different stages of sleep. And when you go into the deeper stages of sleep, what we call non-rapid eye movement sleep, the deeper the sleep, or electrically from uh, the brainwave patterns, the bigger and the more powerful those slow brainwaves of deep sleep are, that seems to be better electrical quality of sleep at night as well. And then the final thing is the composition of your sleep. Are you getting enough deep sleep? And also, are you getting enough uh, what we call rapid eye movement sleep or REM sleep? It's the stage of sleep during which we dream. So you can define quality of sleep both in terms of um, is it fragmented or continuous? Is the electrical quality of that sleep good? And also, what is the sort of the um, cocktail ratio? So if you're going to make a sort of a good sleep cocktail, you know, is it uh, two parts this and one part that and a jigger of this? Well, it's also about that quality too. So it's not just quantity, it's also quality. Interesting that you talk about um, the having the continuity of sleep patterns. So if, for example, you have a disrupted night, you know, or you're up late working, you've got, you know, work stresses or exam pressures or you're a new mom or mm. something like that, that that's disrupting your sleep. Can you can you catch up later? Can you bank sleep knowing that you're going to have a bad night's sleep in a couple of days time? Can you kind of get ahead of the game or can you catch up? Um, can you catch up on sleep? Uh, it's a lovely idea, but unfortunately it doesn't seem to be true that in that way, sleep is not like the bank. So you can't, (laughs) right. You can't accumulate a debt and then hope to pay it off at a later point in time, like the weekend. Um, and so for example, if I took you Liz and tonight I deprive you of sleep for the entire night. So you've lost eight hours of sleep. And then I give you all of the recovery sleep that you want on a second night, a third night, even a fourth fourth night. Will you sleep longer? Yes, you will. But will you get back all of that eight hours of sleep that you lost? The answer is no. In fact, Mm. you'll usually get back less than 50% of that. And so we can ask the question, why is this? Why hasn't evolution developed a sleep bank system because Mm -hmm. there is precedent for this 
in biology, it's called the adipose cell or the fat cell. Because during our evolutionary past, we faced famine and we went through feast. And the body realized this and decided to create this fat cell so that we could store up caloric credit when we had it. And then when we went into famine, we could spend that caloric credit. Where is the fat cell for sleep in the brain? Mm. And the answer is we don't have one. And the reason is because human beings seem to be the only species that will deliberately deprive themselves of sleep for no apparent good reason. <laughs> in other words, mother nature throughout the course of our evolutionary past across these millions of years, she has never had to face the challenge of solving sleep deprivation. So she's never come up with a solution. There is no safety net in place. That's why we implode so quickly and so dramatically when we don't get enough sleep. Wow. Now, is there a variability with our genes? You talk about seven to nine hours. Is, is there a kind of a genetic variance there that some people will naturally thrive on seven hours or they will mm. nine hours? There is. And we're starting to understand those genes. And in fact, there are a couple of um, mutants, um, uh, short sleeping mutants out there that we now know of. Uh, we know of about uh, two or three different flavors um, with different genes underlying those um, different flavors. Um, probably one of the best known ones is a gene called the DEC2, D-E-C-2 gene. And if you take these people uh, with this short sleeping gene and you bring them into a sleep center like uh, the one that we have here at uh, my university, the University of California, Berkeley, um, we take away the phone and we don't give you any access to light. You say goodbye to your family and friends. And mm -hmm. we just have you sleep as much as you like naturalistically. You can just sleep however you you naturally want to. They seem to end up needing only about six hours and 15 minutes of sleep if you give them that chance. And so, and they don't seem to show any impairment on sort of cognitive tests, et cetera. They genuinely seem to be functioning on six hours and 15 minutes. Um, now, by the way, this is not what many people think of, which is, you know, the Margaret Thatcher who could was supposed yes. to survive on, you know, just four hours of sleep a night or Ronald Reagan the same. Um, and by the way, we should come on to the relationship between sleep and Alzheimer's disease yes, because absolutely. often Thatcher and Reagan are both quoted to me as people saying, well, they got away, you know, with, you know, just short sleeping. Well, tragically, both of them went on to develop uh, Alzheimer's disease and die from it. Um, now, that's not scientific. Um, that's just, you know, case study. But coming back to your question, um, these short sleeping genetic mutants, we definitely know of them. Um, how common is it? Well, unfortunately, it's not common. Most people now are thinking who are listening to this, oh, maybe I'm one of those short mm. genetic mutants, uh, sleeping mutants. Um, the, the probability that you are one of those is very low. In fact, it's much more likely that you will be struck by lightning in your lifetime statistically than it is that you would be one of those short sleeping mutants. Right. Okay. So note to self, definitely prioritize sleep. And in fact, one of the, the things I noticed in your absolutely brilliant book was about setting the alarm. And you say that you don't set an alarm to wake up in the morning. You set an alarm to tell you to go to bed. It's time to sleep. I thought that was just brilliant. It's so simple and yet so helpful. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, one of the tips that we can come on to um, for better sleep tonight is regularity, going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time. And it's no, it's no problem to have a wake-up alarm, um, even though in truth, I would say that you probably don't need it if you are giving yourself the right amount of sleep, opportunity time. At first, you will oversleep because you'll try to get back that which you've lost. It's sort of, um, you know, you're sort of binging on sleep and that's what people worry about. Oh my goodness, I'm going to sleep past it and I'll get into work late. But after about three or four days of washing out that's, that chronic sleep um, debt that you've been carrying, you actually come back and you start to sleep really very reasonable numbers of hours. But for regularity's purpose, going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time is good. So having alarms on both of those sides, but you're right. You know, we often set an alarm to wake up, but none of us really set an alarm to go to bed. And it's always yeah. perplexed me as to why, why we don't do that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Wow, just so interesting, don't you think? And I am definitely going to be setting an alarm for bedtime and trying to keep to my usual workday bedtime and wake time schedule, even while here on holiday. And if you'd like to hear more from Professor Walker, you'll find him on the Lizelle Wellbeing Show archive. I will pop a link in the podcast notes. This particular episode, having been first recorded early last year, so in the first few months of the pandemic, but very timely advice, I think, on so many current issues so well worth a re-listen well that is it for this week as always thank you so much for all your kind comments and feedback i'm going to be switching off my social media for a couple of weeks bit of a digital detox but my friday five podcast will be continuing here with a few all-time favorites from the archives to keep you company and don't forget you can also subscribe to the weekly friday lizard wellbeing newsletter which will continue to wing its way into your inbox each and every friday tea time throughout the duration so until the next time we catch up, go well, bye-bye. <laughs>